running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I just we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT. Good to have you today on a big day on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Brought to you by PT's Taverns. Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, and the SG Bar, where locals go for great food, cold beer, happy hour, and cheer on the Knights and the Raiders. Welcome to the show today. Man, I threaded the needle today. I interviewed the coach over at the facility, Rich Basacci, at 10 a.m., and then I made it onto the Strip to the Fashion Show Mall where I emceed the event for America's Party 2022, the largest fireworks show in the world, which is back on the Strip. Thanks to Las Vegas events, I got a chance to introduce the mayor, Carolyn Goodman, and a whole bunch of dignitaries, and there was pyro that went up behind me, and it was cool. I had a good time because it wasn't here last year. Last year, we didn't have the fireworks. Brought to you by Grucci, who's going to put this fireworks show together. Eight minutes long, they've added Resorts World, the newest property. So fireworks are going off the Strat and Resorts World and Mandalay Bay and the Bellagio and all that. That's going to be cool. So we've had a couple of cool things happen here in Vegas the last couple of days, haven't we? The Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, and America's Party is back on New Year's Eve, and it's going to be epic. I've done a few. I, I don't usually go. I like to party on New Year's Eve. My, there are a lot of people who always ask me, what do you do on New Year's Eve? And a lot of people in Vegas say, it's amateur hour. I want to stay in. I go out all year, so I'm not shutting it down on New Year's Eve. Now, there's been Bobby's laughing because he knows that you, New Year's Eve in the past, I put down the cerveza for a month, or I do something unique. I step aside, maybe get off social media, like that would be good. All of this stuff. But I'm excited for New Year's Eve. We're back. Vegas is back. It's been a horror show for some people the last couple of years with COVID. So if we get an opportunity to have this great America's party, and it's going to be up and down the strip, I'm excited. So everybody get out for the fireworks, and uh, we'll have some fun with that. That was really enjoyable today. Haven't been to the Fashion Show Mall in a long time. Man, that place is a monster down there. It's so big. But I was able to get back here in time with Bobby and get the show going. My conversation with the head coach will air on the Silver and Black Show Saturday. We'll air it on the radio. Look, Rich Basacci has been good. He's been solid. He shows up on time. He's ready to go. He's speaking today, and he's in a tough spot because he's been a football lifer. If he wasn't chosen to be the interim head coach, he wouldn't have been a head coach this year, and he took the challenge, and he won the first two games as the head coach, which were high moments. I mean, the best games were at Denver and then the 30 unanswered points against Philadelphia. That was good Raider football, and I've been trying to remember that. It feels like it's a year ago on when the Raiders played well. Well, they played well in Dallas on Thanksgiving. And if you look at Thanksgiving, now it's December 16th. They haven't played well since. The first question I asked the coach was the hard one. You know, you've gone from averaging 33 points a game, now down to 17.2. What are you doing differently to fire up this team for Cleveland? And we'll save that answer for tomorrow. But look, it's go time. And Cleveland, we're waiting on some more updates because Clowney 
and Miles Garrett weren't at the early part of the practice this morning in Cleveland. Nothing to do with COVID. It isn't a COVID issue, but they got a lot of players on the COVID list, and we don't root for that for anybody. We want every man and woman to be healthy. Remember, don't fall into that trap. It's disgusting to root for players not to come back who have a virus during a pandemic. You want everybody to be at full strength. And my point is, you know, Mary Kay Cabot 20 minutes ago said safety, Ronnie Harrison Jr. is going on COVID reserve. So add another player. So they're decimated by COVID. But they have an opportunity tomorrow to test positive because they have to test positive Friday to play Saturday. If not, they can't do it. So they got to get a test, excuse me, negative. They have to test negative tomorrow. So tomorrow's the big day, especially for Baker Mayfield. And when you look at this team. So here's how I see it. The Raiders beat them last year in a, in a cold game, and it was, it was kind of a weird game. I look back at the stats in this game. I'll go over it today. But who was better last year, the Browns or the Raiders? The Browns were. They went to the playoffs. They won a game without their coach to get in the playoffs. They were a playoff team. The Raiders were not. Who's better this year, the Raiders or the Browns? I could sit here and honestly tell you the Raiders for most of the year. Up until eight games, the Raiders were better than the Browns. We're not, we're not going for a reach here. If this was a two-win, three-win Raider team, I'd be sitting here. We'd be dead. We'd be dead. I'd be doing a national show right now interviewing, talking about the Jaguars firing Urban Meyer. The last bit of hope in the Raider Nation is for them to play a good game. Okay? So let's simplify it. Why can't they even play a decent game? I don't know. One of my best friends called me today as I was driving into the studio. We were talking about Urban Meyer. He lives in Jacksonville. I was getting some information, as I always do, from friends in the media. And he said, what's going on with the Raiders? I go, well, is it rugs? And you know how many times I've been asked to my face on the radio, on the phone, is it rugs? And I continue to answer the question the same way. I don't know how the players and the coaches reacted to the loss of Henry Ruggs. I know how the family reacted to the loss of Tina Tintor, who died in that fiery car accident. I care a lot more about her and her passing than I do Henry Ruggs. And I liked Henry Ruggs. I've interviewed him once the night of the draft when he had the bathrobe on and he came on. Henry Ruggs is gone from the NFL, I think forever, gone from the Raiders. That has got to be parked in a really rear back part of your mind. But did it have an effect on the players? It sure looks like it did. I mean, the team's been struggling since the John Gruden scenario. We're going to have a guest on today who wrote the column in the Washington Post. Pretty big get for us here. And we're going to talk about that with Will Brenson about what happened. What's going on with Daniel Snyder? I'm on that story. I've been on that story. I know a lot of information because I know the players involved pretty well. Bruce Allen hired me with the Raiders. John Gruden, I got hired the same day he did, first time around. And I think the Raiders got royally screwed by the emails that were leaked. And a lot of people like Brett Musburger, who came on the show, blew up the Internet when he called it a hit job. With all of that combined, that to me is a big backstory. We're trying to mix in the positives. I talked to Coach about Divine Diablo and Malcolm Kuntz. I love the way those young players are playing. They're playing with pop. A matter of fact, I want Kuntz on the field, and I want some guys off the field. I want Kuntz on the field and Divine Diablo on the field and some other guys off the field if they don't play well on Saturday. Are you with me? Do you believe that? And then we get the news today the worst news possible from a couple of Raider insiders, the fact that 
there was no Perry minute practice, Waller and Mullen. What? I mean, what is going on? Whenever a player is injured, we respect the injury. If they can't go, they can't play. If they're injured, but some guys can play through pain and injuries. I'm not a doctor. I'm not the trainer. I can't tell you about that. But the fact is, as everybody, and getting back to Cleveland, as everybody tells me, man, Cleveland is decimated. Oh, what's going on with Cleveland? The Raiders are decimated. They don't have Richie Incognito, Nicholas Morrow, Trayvon Mullen, Perriman, Waller. I mean, who's healthy on this team? And they got an offensive line that's playing their worst football. So for the Raiders, they don't have a COVID outbreak, and hopefully they don't by Saturday. A lot of teams are dealing with that. But the Raiders are so vastly injured that the only reason I can't make an excuse about it is every team's injured. I mean, this is decimating this league this year, COVID and injuries with an extra game. So how many times have you heard next man up from the coaches to Carr to all of them? Next man up. Now some conspiracy theories on radio shows that Mariota might be ready to play. How long we've been waiting for that? Give me a break. Derek Carr is the quarterback of the team. He was playing like an MVP for the first three games. MVP, leading the league in passing. Now I believe that there's more of a heavier load on Derek Carr. And that's the focus of the monologue brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. We are now at a point with Derek Carr where the road goes right or the road goes left. That's called the fork in the road. That's it. There's no other way to describe it. Either Carr plays well and he's here because the Raiders paid him most of the freight, most of the money, or Carr doesn't play well and he is involved in conversations about his future, which he can handle, you can handle, and I can handle. Okay, because if the Raiders don't win at Cleveland, the national narrative is going to be the Raiders are making changes starting now. From a coaching search to everybody else who can be involved. So we got a few more days. I got today and tomorrow. And then Saturday we'll be at M for the pre and post game show. And then I'm going to come back on Monday and everything's going to be right in front of me. Seven and seven percentage over Cleveland ahead of Cleveland in the playoff race. Hopefully the Chargers lose tonight. The Chargers only have eight wins. If they lose, they stay at eight. The Raiders have seven. The Chargers and the Raiders are separated by a game with the Chargers coming to Vegas. Same goes with Denver. I don't think Denver's going to run away and hide in the next couple of weeks. I could be wrong. So with all of that, you know, we got a little bit more than 72 hours to figure this thing out. And then we'll know what the writing is on the wall. And we'll adjust. And we'll do it with respect. We'll respect everybody involved. And we'll figure out what's going to happen next. Vic Tafer will join us next hour. Uh, just got confirmation on that as he comes on every two weeks. And we're going to have a nice conversation there, too. We're going to talk about what happened today, who was on the practice field, and all of that. this. I, I think the Raider fans have to hold out for hope for a couple more days. And for those who spin it and trash me behind my back to hell with you, too bad. Too bad. You know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get focused on this game for a couple more days because that's my job. And I'm really excited to have this job and do my small part, very small part, okay? That's it. I, I want the team to win desperately. I want the team to play desperately. I want the team to play and put everything out there. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen anything that shows me that this team's going all out to do desperate things to try to win football games. 
That's Captain Obvious crap. They're not doing anything that shows me that there's desperation. Onside kick, fake punt. Yeah, they had a fake punt in a game that was just a blowout. Doing it in a game where the score's tied 17-all with two minutes to go. We'll talk about that. The team is playing with no body language, no sense of urgency. None. And we've been talking about that for how long? Before Dallas. Where's the clock? Management. Where's the speed? Where's the no huddle? Where's the up-tempo? Doesn't exist. I think one of the biggest interviews I did this year, and we've done a, a few doozies, was Rich Gannon when he told me no team is built in the league because it's Sean Gruden's playbook still. No team is built in the lab to go up-tempo more than the Raiders. It used to be one guy, Drew Brees. And I talked to a coach about this in depth. Carr is one of the best that one of the coaches has ever seen at the line of scrimmage. He's really, really good. It's Tom Brady. It's Peyton Manning. They're at the high, high level. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, different level. Drew Brees, Hall of Fame. But Carr is in the conversation for his ability to see the play. I believe it's become a crutch for Derek Carr. Carr takes too long to get the play in. He takes too long to get to the line of scrimmage. He takes too long to overlook the defense, and the party's over. It's three seconds on the play clock, and everybody in the upper deck's like, let's go. The the ball's got to be snapped in two seconds. Am I wrong for saying that? No. That's what's happened with this offense. They've stalled because they no longer have the confidence to do what they do in practice. In practice, everybody tells me it's great. Deshaun Jackson's laughing. He lines up wide. He runs a go route. Derek puts some air under it. It's 40 yards right in his hands. And it's a touchdown in practice. They don't run it in the game. Really? They don't run. There's never a time in the game to hold the pocket, hold the pocket a half a second longer and just toss a beauty up there to Deshaun Jackson. No, it doesn't exist since Dallas. Hunter Renfro now is getting a heavy dose because there's no Darren Waller. Keep going back to him. Remember that ridiculously dumb conversation we had after a victory against Baltimore? Phone's lighting up. Oh, JT, man, they won. But, man, they went to Waller too much. They targeted 20 times. And my head's popping. I'm going, what are you talking about? Go to Waller. Go to Waller more. Now we have Renfro, who's getting targeted excessively. So keep doing it. Just run deeper routes. Instead of three-yard routes, run nine-yard routes. Is there anybody on the Raiders' God's green earth that doesn't think Hunter Renfro can run nine yards before the pocket breaks down? Anybody? Anybody think that Hunter Renfro can't get a clean break off the line, go nine yards, cut in and cut out, and get the ball right on him? I do. I do. And you got to do that. And you got to do it when you break the huddle and know you're doing it. Problem is this team changes every play at the line of scrimmage because there's something they don't like. The hell with that. That's over. This is an elimination game. It's a flat-out elimination game. Take the play and run it. Tim Brown told me that. Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer. Take the play and run the play. No, it's not happening. There's a lot of great offensive minds in that building who are really, really sharp and friends of mine. And they know the playbook, and the plays are being called down from up top to the field to Greg Olson. The play's in there. They know what they're doing. Run the play. Run the play and take your best shot. Just run it faster with more energy, more up-tempo. Do we all agree on that? So let's now put that aside. Now let's go to Josh Jacobs. 
We're still at the fork in the road. Here it comes. We're coming up to the fork, right or left for Josh Jacobs. I am just a small part of this, but I think our show has the pulse of Raider fans. Raider fans loved Josh Jacobs when he came. Loved him. I mean, going to make a Disney movie about him living in a car, being homeless. It's a great story. He's a great kid. Now Raider fans who call the show are like, come on, what's going on? So there's two groups of Raider fans. The ones that say Josh can't hit the hole because the offensive line isn't good. And others saying that he just doesn't have what the Raiders thought he would have. So why don't we evaluate Josh Jacobs after this game? Because if he can't carry this team on his back, I'm talking about the way the great Raider running backs in the past have carried this. If you go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill, they have a video wall. And the other day, I was hanging out with my buddy Cisco, president of the Black Hole, and I looked up at the wall, and there was a run by a player named Tyrone Wheatley. And Tyrone Wheatley, who played for the Raiders, was like tackled like at the six-yard line. And there were one, then two, then three, then four players on the other team that tried to drag him to the ground. He just pulled them all into the end zone. And it was amazing. I remember the game in Oakland. That's Tyrone Wheatley. Tyrone Wheatley was a great player for the Raiders, but Josh Jacobs is supposed to be better. So in this game, in the cold, in the dark night, and the loud crowd there, the ball's got to be handed off to Josh Jacobs, and he's got to have a game that's going to be a defining game. Because if he doesn't, the team goes to 6-8, and eight, and we're sitting here talking about Josh Jacobs next year. I don't want to do that. I think he has the ability to do that. Then finally, let's go to the defense, where I think the world of Max Crosby, he's the ultimate Raider. Okay, he is not comparable yet to a Howie Long Hall of Famer, a John Matuzak, a Lyle Alzado, the great defensive linemen who have ever played on this team, and there were many of them. Greg Townsend, one of my favorites. But Max tries to be that guy. He tries to be those guys. He wakes up every day. His sobriety was a big story with all of us. And now he comes as an undisputed leader of this team. And again, he gets double teamed. He should have about 12 sacks by now, but he is double teamed. So Max needs to carry this team and put it on his back. I would like to see Max do that. I think he's capable of doing it. He's done it before with Yannick Ngakwe. And then on the back end, I think fortunately because of the weather, there's not going to be a quarterback. I don't think Case Keenum or Baker Mayfield without Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., who's not there anymore. Nobody should be running past our safeties and just having a big day. But the safeties are going to have to tackle. This should be a really good John Abram game. I've been real hard on him this year because of the two Kansas City games and the stats against the secondary. But John Abram in this game could really step into the box and knock the ball loose. You know, I'm expecting him, I'll call it right now, force fumble. Comes in, boom, hits someone, ball pops up, Raiders football. We need that. And we also need Cole and Carlson. The big game. They both got contract extensions. I think this game's going to come down to a field goal. And they're going to have to win the game on a field goal. Carlson's going to have to hit one in the wind and the cold. It's not going to be easy. He's not used to that. The guy kicks in a dome all the time or plays in pretty good weather. He will be challenged here. 702-365-9200. We're at the point right now where all I need from you the next day and a half is the key to the game. The one thing that you're pointing to, the one thing that you're passionate about the Raider Nation that has to happen in this game. I just gave you 20 minutes of what I thought. What do you think, Raider Nation? This is do or die. This is it. 
If they win 7-7, seven and seven, they leapfrog Cleveland. Chargers lose their one game out. Denver, they're right there. Now, they're not playing good enough to be talked about playoffs, but we have another week of them in the hunt where anything can happen. If not, we're on to the offseason. We're going to take every game seriously, but there are going to be calls about what are the changes going to be. If that doesn't, and I told that to the coach, if that doesn't motivate the team 7-7 seven and seven, and to be ahead of Cleveland, what can? The great Chris in West Oakland starts us off. Wow, JT, what a monologue. A whole lot of different points to hit. So let's go real quick, case by case. Number one, you opened it talking about Coach Bisaccia. It starts with him. You want to play with pace. You want to play with urgency. Number one, quit putting your weaker unit on the field first. If the best argument you can give me is deferring to the second half every time you win the toss, that's not a very good one. I'm tired of putting the defense out there and watching them give up a field goal or a touchdown, and we start every single game in the hole. Let's put the other team on their heels once. And Coach Passaccia, if it's fourth and two inside the 10-yard line, go for it. Your job's on the freaking line. Your season's on the freaking line. Like you said, JT, I don't care that you fake punt it down 35-3. to three. Give me a fake punt when you can actually win a ball game. Derek Carr, the numbers pretty much show, JT, he has to play like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady to win. 6-0 and when they throw for 300, 0-7 when he does it. He's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Very few guys are. So, again, somebody's going to have to help him on the defense. Just once I want to win a game where we don't score 30-plus points. And offensively, you're 100% right, JT. I'm tired of breaking the huddle with 10 seconds left, meandering up to the line of scrimmage and taking our freaking time. You know how you run the play that's called? Let Carr run the game from the line of scrimmage. You get to the, you get to the line of scrimmage with 20 seconds to go. Now you make the freaking defense scramble instead of this run, huddle up, let's take our time. And again, I'm going to hit hut on Josh Jacobs. I said this the day he was drafted. He's not going to break out, JT. He's Tyrone Wheatley or Napoleon Coughlin. He doesn't have the breakaway speed. He's a solid back. He will never be anything more. The Raiders have to quit going into games acting like this is Marcus Allen or Bo Jackson and have to get going. Get him off the passing game's going, not the other way around. 32 yards is his career long. He doesn't have the breakaway speed. Hell, I despise the 49ers, JT, but on any given play, their running game can take it to the house. We don't have that, so we've got to stop the second and 10 run up the middle and expecting Jacobs is going to change the game. You're right, JT. It's all on the line this week. I don't think this is a playoff team, but if they win, you've got another week of life. Let's simplify it. Screw winning all four. Let's win Saturday. Win Saturday and you live to fight another day, and a lot of weird things have happened in the NFL this year. I don't know about a prediction, JT. I don't know about the weather. I just want to see these guys come out and play hard and play with some urgency and compete and hope for the best. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. That's what I want to hear as we start it off. Did Chris scare everybody off? Is he the only caller that has the energy and passion to beat Cleveland? Anybody? We ready to go here? I mean, this isn't June. This isn't June, July. Okay? This is going into Cleveland at a really important point in week 15, 702-365-9200. Yeah, we want the Raiders to play a good football game. They're capable of it. They played several really good football games this year. They did. To get the six wins, pretty much everybody in the league is fortunate to have eight wins. There's a couple of elite teams. They're right there. They would have been, they would have been farther along. That's not a spin. They would have been 
farther along if they didn't have two massive events happen in the middle of the season. The Gruden resignation and Ruggs. We all know that. We all know that to be accurate. And they haven't reacted well since Coach Passaccia won his first two games. They've hit the wall for whatever reason. I think a lot of it has to do with injuries. It's what I say every year. And, if, you know, again, I'll say it again. This team comes out of training camp hurt. They do. They just do. So I've, I've changed my philosophy going forward. Going forward, it's shut everybody down. I mean, forget about the preseason, even practice almost, because they're, they're banged up. They're really banged up when they start the season, and now they're banged up again. And for whatever reason, they can't get these guys back on the field. And we hope that they heal quick and the Raiders can get a win. But I think the big conversation that, you know, Cleveland's decimated by COVID is out the window. Because if the Raiders don't have Mullen and they don't have Darren Waller and Perryman in this game, does it matter that those guys are out and they've lost three guys who are really good comparable players due to COVID? No. It's three of their players out to three of the Raiders players out who are comparable. Three have COVID on one team. Three are hurt on the other. I mean, the, the Raiders are not going into Cleveland full strength at all. Nowhere near that. And Cleveland, every, the headline is, oh, COVID outbreak, COVID outbreak. Well, that's true. I, I don't think either one of these teams are anywhere near where they need to be at full strength. So with all of that, Raiders got to find a way to have better players who are backups who have a little bit more experience than some of these Cleveland players, and we'll get to all of that. All right, so when we come back, we'll take more of your phone calls, 702-365-9200. We are brought to you by our great friends at Wahoo's Fish Taco, one of my best friends, vice president over there. They bought into the show, and we've been eating over there. My son just got home this morning. I haven't seen him. My wife picked him up from Oklahoma. They either stopped at Wahoo's on the way back to load up. Because after his nap, he awakes like a grizzly bear and will want to eat us out of house and home. So Wahoo's is the place that helps feed my family because we love their California cuisine, all of their great food, and their great service. We thank Wahoo's Fish Taco. not ideal obviously but the hope is to get a full speed practice in tomorrow if we can and, and we'll deal with tomorrow tomorrow but uh, I think the guys uh, understand what needs to get done today and that's really what's most important. That's Kevin Stefanski who as of now won't be coaching for the Browns and this is the second time he's got COVID. Remember he missed last year's playoff game because of COVID and what's happened around that team so they've been hit. And they've been hit really hard, and we hope that the Browns get more players back and they're able to pass through the protocol here. But the Raiders have an opportunity. The line move is pretty crazy as the Raiders were you know, a heavy underdog in this game, and now the Raiders are a favorite. We'll take a look at the moving line. Lee Sterling joins us next hour from Paramount Sports, and he's going to give us three games for free. That's the rule. Lee comes on. He comes on and gives us three games for free that you can bet or take his advice if you'd like to. Tonight's game is very important. You want the Chiefs to win. At all costs, you want Kansas City to win. Kansas City has slaughtered the Raiders in two games this year. You don't need them to lose. They're going to the playoffs, period. You want the Chargers to lose at home. You don't want the Chargers to have anything good going on with them. Kansas City already has sucked up all the oxygen in the Raider debate. 
Okay, we don't need the Chargers to do that too. So if the Chargers lose and the Raiders win, uh, that's a best case scenario. Again, coming off last weekend, the Raiders get trounced in Kansas City and everybody else wins. Kansas City obviously wins, Denver wins, and the Chargers win. You want to talk about a worst case scenario. It was Sunday at Arrowhead. That game's now behind them. It should be motivating all the players to play better. The players should have had a great week in the weight room, practice, the players that are healthy here compared to the players that just can't get on the field. Uh, We'll talk to Vic Tafer about if anybody's coming closer to coming back here, but it doesn't look good with all the players that are hurt. And also the Washington football team that was just here, they now have the largest COVID list, 21 players in COVID protocol. So I really think this is going to be a big thing going forward is how teams are affected by this and how the commissioner tightens COVID protocol. And there could be a chance, fortunately here in Vegas, everybody needs to be vaccinated to come to a game. I don't know what's going to happen in some other cities around here. Roger Goodell was asked about the potential for postponing this game at the owners' meetings in Dallas. Relative to the COVID situation in Cleveland and the game that's scheduled there on Saturday, do you see that being in any immediate jeopardy, and has there been any discussion about postponements? There has not been any discussion about that, and we feel confident with uh, continuing changes and adaptions to our protocols that we can do that. I think that's a good answer. How are they going to adapt the protocol? How could they even do it this year? I mean, you got to get the owners and the union on the same page to adapt protocol. And what would the, how would you adapt it? That means if you're testing positive, you can play? No, you, you can never play if you're COVID positive. Omicron variant, Delta variant, you know, you could be vaccinated. The point of being vaccinated is the fact that you want to protect the elderly and those people who are sick. Healthy people are going to get it. And if they have a vaccine, we all know by now we're smart enough. It could keep you out of the hospital. It could keep you off a respirator. That's it. That's been the same discussion since the vaccine was invented. It's not going to be a perfect vaccine, and it's going to weigh, and it's going to wear out. That's why booster shots are being talked about around the NFL. People are trying to adapt with the times here. COVID protocol will be changed probably in the next two weeks. Lee in Las Vegas, appreciate you calling the flagship. What's happening, Lee? Hey, Lee, thank you very much, and uh, hello, Raider Nation. This is like a founding father here, man. And uh, you, you asked, what do I want to see? I want to see us start playing Raider football. Gruden had this team set up to hit Al Davis style. Downfield, mm. quick strikes, here we go. We're always talking about let's let's do the run to set up the long pass. How about we come out of the gate and start throwing a downfield, pull the safeties up off the line so they're not plugging up our running lanes. Pull the safeties up off the line so they're not clogging our passing routes so that our, our Renfro and the, the short passes with the long extra yards after the pass can make the run. There's a reason that we are 6-0 when Carr runs over three, or passes over 300 mm-hmm. yards. There's a reason that we are 0-7 when we try running the ball and he does it. Let's air it out. Let's pull the safeties off. Let's start playing Raider football. And a lot of this attitude, I think like the last caller said, has starts with the coach. If you're playing vanilla and you're playing it safe, that's not Raiders football. Let's go out there and let's smash them in the mouth and let's, let's play Raiders. Okay, let's quit playing other people's game. Make them play our game. That's what I got to say. Yeah, it's That's a good phone I'm call. Saying. Thank you. And the, the, the pushback, not to be devil's advocate, not to be devil's advocate, but you can't throw deep if you don't have time. You have to have an extra half second to, to secure the pocket so Derek can look off the safeties and try to throw deep. We all know that. 
But now we have to move the pocket, and Derek's got to trust the offensive line and hold, 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 wait as long as he can to release the ball, and that requires getting hit. I mean, would you like to be Derek Carr this week, knowing Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney's coming after you on every play? And those guys are going to be highly inspired because they're trying to carry the team. You don't think that Miles Garrett's walking around their locker room today going, I got you. We're good. That's all he's doing. That's what I was trying to tell you about Max Crosby. I think he's doing the same thing, but he's not Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is walking around the city of Cleveland saying, We're good. I know everyone's got COVID. I am going to wreak havoc on the Raiders on my own. He's like a Michael Strahan type player in his prime, a Deacon Jones, a guy who can change the game. And I'm just concerned that the Raiders are going to leave an extra tight end in, an extra blocker, and they're going to have less guys out running routes, and it's going to be the same story. Colt Miller, do your job. He's a very good player, Colt Miller. On the other side, the right side, I don't feel that good about it. I don't feel great about Leatherwood at guard. We don't. But Leatherwood was drafted to be here long term, and he's still playing and he's healthy. Got to give him credit for that. There's a lot of guys in the tub, and there's a lot of guys not at practice. Leatherwood is. He's not playing well. He's coached up well. He's got to step up like he did at Alabama and do his job. Problem is he's doing it against Clowney, and these guys are fundamentally really good. They know how to take their hands and move Leatherwood's hands, and they're going to line up in front of Leatherwood to get in his head early. And Leatherwood's going to have to really show up. The rest of this offensive line is going to have to play well. That opens up a line, 702-365-9200. we got a lot of interviews on the back end if you want to get through now. Thaddeus in Kentucky, where I hope the family is safe. I hope everyone's doing better after the, uh, after the tornadoes. How are you? I'm doing well, JT. Hey, thanks, man. Um, everyone's doing well, but uh, we got a large uh, population of Raiders fans here in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, it's tough to go through a natural disaster and see one mirrored on the football field for your favorite team. Um, I'm with you. I think that when we uh, look at this game coming up, uh, this is everything. And when I say everything, I think even for Carr, um, it's hard to gauge Carr's uh, ability because you kind of highlighted it perfectly. As our quarterback, when he has no time, I don't think Brian Edwards does a good job of separating Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to get Deshaun Jackson because he's so far down the field. I watched that. He's with Carr, his head's down. Um, our right side's a mess. But what I want to see is the Raider Nation, all the fans stop bickering about whether we should keep Carr or not and still focus on this season behind the mm-hmm. team for this paramount game because it looks like everybody's saying this season's over, and I'm looking at four tough games, but winnable games. And the best thing about these games going forward, they're all guys that we have to beat in order to make the playoffs. So why don't we get behind this Raiders team and put aside all the talk about who's going to be the next GM and really mm-hmm. support this team for this Browns game? Because I feel totally disrespected that half their team's gone, and I watch ESPN and half uh, all everybody's still picking them to win. So. That's got to get underneath uh, this Raiders team, and thanks for the uh, Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm happy you're safe and the family's okay, and that's what it comes down to. Everybody was talking about Cleveland being a team that could make a playoff run now. They were talking about that with the Raiders three weeks ago before the Dallas game, and they won the Dallas game. So the Raiders were alive heading into Thanksgiving and won a game, and it helped their playoff cause. And then ever since then, they wasted – that momentum that they had in Dallas, and they've played their worst football. They have to play a better game. Uh, today, the Browns activated tight end David Njaku 
off the reserve COVID-19 list, clearing him to play Saturday versus the Raiders. He missed last week's game against the Ravens, rejoined the team in time for practice today. Now, Cleveland, as of today, has 11 starters on the COVID-19 reserve list, including quarterback Baker Mayfield and starting safety Ronnie Harrison, who was also added earlier today. Now, according to ESPN, Mayfield will likely miss Saturday's game. The Browns also elevated quarterback Nick Mullins to the active roster. Case Keenum will get the start at quarterback if Mayfield is ruled out tomorrow. Mayfield will need to turn in two negative tests 24 hours apart to play Saturday. So that doesn't look good. And Kevin Stefanski was away from practice today as well after testing positive for COVID. If he doesn't produce two negative tests in time, he's out in this game. And that's okay. They'll know how to run the team with the coach out. The coach will coach them up on Zooms, and they'll be ready to play. So that's where we stand, 702-365-9200 as we keep going. Coming up next, Urban Meyer train wrecked. Why did he train wreck? I was on last night live when it happened, and I almost predicted it to the minute. I said he was going to get fired today. He got fired technically today, past East Coast time, a little after midnight. What did he do that everybody should learn from when we continue? JT brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, the best pizza I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have some form of drama. I've learned that even just the NFL is just more drama in general than college, no matter where you're at. But you're right. I mean, there's been a lot. And, uh, yeah, to your point, I do think that has to change. And, you know, that's something that we need to work on for sure. So you can't always be in the headlines. You just got to go play football. And that's where we're trying to get. And I, I have no doubt we'll get there. Wow, that's Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguar quarterback. What a terrible first season for him. Urban Meyer got fired last night. So as I said, I was on my SiriusXM show last night, and I did this monologue at 9 o'clock Pacific. That's midnight Eastern time. And we were talking about, I was just getting into a rant about Urban, and I said he should be fired tomorrow because Shad Khan was at the owners' meetings. And at the owners' meetings, when you're with all the other owners and you know your team is the maybe the most dysfunctional at that point with the coach, that you're probably going to come back from that meeting. And the news came out about 20 minutes after that. Urban Meyer got fired because he didn't treat people properly. Uh, assistant coaches, the way he embarrassed them in front of the team, what he did to them in the public perception with the players, and then if he kicked the kicker that they cut, if he did that, and he was just an overall bad guy. And he's going right back to Fox. Guaranteed, I know that to be true. So Fox has got A-Rod. They've had my friend Pete Rose, who's been through some controversies over the years. Fox is going to bring Urban Meyer right back and put him on the desk to rehab him. That's what they're going to do. That's their formula. Wash, rinse, repeat. But Urban blew it, and it's affecting his legacy now. His legacy at Ohio State with an assistant coach who treated his wife poorly. Remember that story, what happened with him at Florida, and now Urban Meyer in Jacksonville? His legacy's taken a big hit. He will never coach again in the NFL. I don't think he wants to. And then college, 
I, I'm sure there's a college university gave Rick Pitino when he had rock bottom a job. Where will Urban coach again? I don't know. He might have enough money where he doesn't have to coach again. All right, Rich Basaccia is meeting the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Let's go to it. Right now, Trayvon Mullen, uh, Denzel Perryman, and, and uh, Darren Waller will be out for the game. Uh, will not have their services this week. Um, Carl Nassip was a little bit limited today, so he's still a little bit questionable. We'll see how the next few days go. And, and it looks like after practice say that Patrick and, and uh, Foster Moreau had good days and um, hopefully should both be ready for the game. Uh, with that, I'll take any questions that you may have. Rich, since the last time we talked to you, the okay, you really got to help me. I apologize, but between my distance, my uh, hearing, and your mask. Uh, since the last time we talked to you, the Browns have had essentially a COVID outbreak. Um, how, how has that changed things throughout the week? Pretty much. You know, I mean, I, I, I again, I, I, I credit the, the Browns. If you look at last year, they, they had a COVID issue. The last game of the season, they had coaches with COVID. They had players with COVID. They, they went into Pittsburgh. Um, they had to have the win to get into the playoffs at Pittsburgh. They beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. They won the game. Um, they came back and won a playoff game. So we're looking at jersey numbers and um, trying to get prepared ourselves to to go play a game and, and uh, put a good performance on the field. So um, I, I know they're going to have a team show up, and I, I know they're going to play hard. And I just really think we need to look at ourselves and how we can go out there and uh, put a performance on the field to help us have a chance to win. Along those same lines, it seems like you're one of the only teams that doesn't have an outbreak right now around the league. Uh, there are new uh, protocols going into place. The league just announced that. Um, how, how is that transition going to go for you guys just to implement? Yeah, I actually just found out walking into here that there were new protocols that came out. I have not had a chance to sit down um, with Tom to go through what those will be. And um, the one thing I will say is a credit to our guys and um, our organization. We're 100% vaccinated within the building, and we have had our share of, um, you know, COVID. We lost Jalen. We lost Trent. You know, we, we have lost some guys for games because of that, but it's just something everyone in the league has to deal with, and, and, and we're the same way. So we'll uh, adhere to whatever protocols just came out as soon as I figure out what they are, and uh, we'll just kind of move along in business as usual. Coach, I know that um... – you always have a measured approach week to week, but where you are right now with your uh, wins and losses record and versus how many weeks are left, does it feel like the excitement of the playoffs has come a, a month early? Um, yeah, I think it's really the whole deal is to get into the tournament, right? We all know we have to win enough games to get into the tournament. So, um, we understand that, but we're still trying to improve every day. We're still trying to be along some type of process where we can keep getting better, and we're, we're, we're trying to build something. We're not trying to build it for today, you know, that it collapses a week from now. We are trying to build something within the young players that we have, the leadership from some of the veterans that we have. But I think we all understand um, that we're based on wins and loses, losses, players and coaches. Um, and certainly, it, maybe the playoffs are a little bit early right now, but we, we can look at the race we are still in the thick of it, um, records being what they are, and uh, we're looking forward to going to play another game and, um, in a hostile environment. What a great place to play, and weather's going to be great. So it ought to be, ought to be an exciting football game. Does that naturally infuse, though, an energy in, in the organization? Um, I, I'd like to think that every time we have an opportunity to play a football game, we have a great sense of energy to go play. Right? It's, it's what we're all being paid to do. It's what we're all being judged on is our performance on the field. And it's the number one way we all get to protect our job is our performance on the field and our actions off of it. So I think anytime you get a chance to prepare and then go play a football game in this league, we only get 17 of them, right? And guys go through injuries. We have a different team each week. So I'd like to think we all have a great sense of energy 
um, in order to go play another game, regardless of where you are in the season. Rich, when it comes to, to Darren, uh, you know, after he got hurt, you guys didn't didn't put him on the, the short-term IR, but I think this is his, his third game that he'll miss. Is, is something about the nature of his injury just something that makes it hard to kind of evaluate when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I, I, I guess so. You know, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't 100% know. I just know that he had the biggest jump the day after that particular injury in the Dallas game. And I think from then it's um, been some lingering pain. The more he's tried to accelerate on the treadmill, the more he's tried to accelerate outside. Uh, yesterday he felt like he did um, probably the best day he's had going forward. He still has some uh, particular pain in those uh, same areas when he tries to cut and change direction. So trust me, we'd love to have him um, at any time that we could possibly get him. But I think um, it's just kind of gotten to a stagnant point where he just hasn't been able to get over the hump with whatever the pain is in the knee. Are you expecting to see a lot more um, contributions from Malcolm Coons and Devon Diablo, especially with some of the injuries that you guys have right now? I think at this particular time, they're all up, and so they're all going to play. I'm expecting them to um, play well. Coach, you and I might have a different definition of great weather. Uh, would you guys do anything different to prepare today for, for weather? Well, we, we all went outside today. We had some uh, web ball drills that we did out there preparing for a little uh, precipitation, I think, up there at the game. And, and uh, I think the, hopefully the winds won't be crazy or ridiculous. But, I mean, we both had to play in that weather last year. You know, we went through the full gamut of sun and snow and sleet and rain and, and wind and all that. So I think game day, it's the same for both teams, and uh, hopefully we'll do a good job adjusting to whatever, whatever weather we get. I know you're obviously very, uh, very tied in with the special teams uh, on, you know, on this team, being the coach of them. Um, how, much do you, how much do you kind of change the game plan of, like, how long a field goal you could try, how – you know, when you would kick a field goal, when you would maybe go for two instead of kicking extra. If the weather is necessarily bad, is that something you just talk about pregame? Yeah, I think, we, you know, we, we get to kick on both ends, and then, you know, you get a feel. Daniel gets a feel for, and A.J. gets a feel for, okay, we can kick it from 53 today, we can kick it from 52 today, or we, can, um, we, can't, we can't kick a PAT today, some of those things. I mean, I've been in Giant Stadium before where we literally could not – kick a PAT in the old stadium with the doors open, uh, it wouldn't go through. So you come out of pregame and kind of get a feel for where the wind is and um, do you want to take the wind, do you want to take the ball? You know, it has a little bit to do with how you start the game as well because it will have to do with how you end the game if you happen to win the coin toss. So it is a pregame um, kind of decision as to um, what factor the wind is going to play and then you just hope it doesn't change at halftime, you know, and you can play the same wind in the second half. Rich, how, how easy or how hard was it to flush what happened last week and then look forward to this week? I know we talked about it on Monday a little bit. But. Well, it was a short week, so I, I think we tried to get rid of it a little bit earlier. I, again, I've, I've gone through this before. I, I think um, uh, wins are a lot easier to move on, you know, because you, you had a win, and, and, and hopefully you don't skim over the things you still need to correct. Losses just seem to last longer. That's part of the deal. You're so critical on everything that you did. You live and die in every call that we made and every uh, missed tackle or every missed play. And, you know, certainly we came out of that game um, turning the ball over an inordinate amount of times. And, and uh, we all had to live with that and go through it, um, you know, a week. But you'd like to think that because it was a short week, um, we went through the film, kind of got yourself in position. What's next? Let's move on to go to Cleveland and try to put a better performance on the field. All right, that's Rich Passaccia, a portion of that. Q's there, Vinny B. You know, our team here at Lotus Broadcasting, Raider Nation Radio, will have all the sound cut up for other shows today. We're fortunate that we could take that live or close to live in this time slot when they speak over there. Look, that, that film was terrible. That film was terrible. There was nothing to look at in that film. Fumbles and balls that were dropped. 
two of the turnovers, Foster Moreau and Hunter Renfro, balls that hit him right in the hands, and then they fumbled. So we, those are three of the turnovers that we're talking about here. So you look at them on film, you know that they're physical mistakes with a mental aspect to it. They didn't do a good enough job, and then you move on. And you try to find a way to take the positives out of a game. The problem in Kansas City, there was nothing good. So that term, burn the tape, is a real term. Burn the tape and move on and play a good game. All we want to see, and that's been a big theme in the show, and we'll do it again tomorrow, and we'll have some different guests mixed in, is play a good game. Play Raider football, which we've seen many times this year, but not recently. Hour number one done. Uh, coming up next, Will Brinson. He wrote the oh, – Will Hobson, excuse me, from the Washington Post on Daniel Snyder. You don't want to miss this interview coming up. <laughs> 